0: your classic metal show right here on the com. Of course you recognize that voice. That was Mike Tramp there with a song called Lay Down Your Guns. It's from the new release Second Time Around and it's a it's a great release. It's a it's a different release than you might expect um for Mike because it it kind of reinvents a lot of stuff that a lot of you might have missed, but it's a a great release and you should check it out. And here to tell us all about it is the vocalist on that song and on a bunch of other songs that you have in your collection, Mr. Mike Tramp. Mike, how are you, sir?
1: And the songwriter and the guitar player. Thanks a lot. Great to be back on the radio show. Thank you for having me. Sure, man. Well, Mike,
0: I got to tell you, man, I... Maybe I'm not a lot, not one of the people like like everybody else, but I am one of these guys that has absolutely loved your solo career, your your post White Lion stuff more than your White Lion stuff. I have really appreciated the fact that it is that getting away from the, you know, the hugeness of White Lion has really opened the door for you to become so much of so much more of a creator than I think you were allowed to be when you were kind of locked in that bubble of of 80s metal man and it, it's always great to get a release from
1: you um, thanks a lot for so, saying this stuff you're not the only one who feels that way but I mean you're, you're hitting a couple of, of, of key points in, in what you're saying um, it would not have been possible for several reasons to be doing this in 1988, number one, because I wasn't ready, number two, because the overall music business and, and feeling of rock and roll in 1988 wasn't, wasn't like this right. for me. It was like that for Tom Petty and, and, and John Cougar Mellencamp, two of my heroes, but it wasn't a natural thing for me. Mm-hmm. I actually had to you know run the gauntlet and come around to where I originally come from, and in 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 all respect, you know, to um, that it's not like I'm saying I'm coming from. I grew up with folk music; it is my foundation, et cetera, et cetera. It always it's always the the you know the star of any song that I've written and things mm-hmm. like that. But you know, as 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 the rock and roll grew and and as the the 80s came around and I dreamed about being, you know, like Van Halen and stuff like that. And I came to America and I formed White Line in 83 with Vito Brada. We wrote the songs, "Wade when the journal cried, tell me all the, the stuff. That's what I wanted to be. But during that period, at times, I, I felt this, I felt a strange, you know, feeling that, I didn't really be I, I didn't really belong in where way I wanted to be, mm-hmm. and I didn't really feel that. Uh, even though I'm 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 quite pleased with with what I managed to accomplish with White Lion, there were times when I felt uncomfortable trying to play a role that wasn't the natural of me because it does become a role. It was a uniform. It wasn't a natural choice. Of wardrobe, but it was what everyone was doing in the 80s, so I would be doing that too. Now, coming out of that, you obviously come out with a lot of experience, both good and bad, regrets, and, and things like that, so now, bit by bit, as we come close to 96, where I then will write my first solo album, I now actually have some real stuff to write about. Right. You know, because I've always felt this strange sensation when I, when when at times, very few times, when I had nothing else to do and I found myself sitting in front of the T V watching, you know, American Idol or X Factor on a CD 15, fifteen, sixteen year old a kid singing when a man loves a woman and I'm just singing to myself, man, you gotta live your life before you can make that statement, you know. Um you know, try a divorce or two, et cetera, et cetera. And and so it's great feeling that when I finally got to write my first solo album, I was a father for the first time. I had a gun in my hand. and had tried a lot of different things that I actually felt that the stuff that I wrote down was legit because I'd made the, st- the commitment to myself that my solo career would be about me. I'm singing about me. I'm representing the life I live the life I see, the world I'm living in, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have to get up in the morning and create something that doesn't exist or isn't me, which which is why I don't ever have to think about, you know, answering questions, stuff like that, because it's just me. I'm just talking about me and, and the life I'm living and, and nothing else.
0: Sure. Now, and, and, you know, going through both your solo career and the, uh, you know, the white lion as well, In my eyes, just as a fan, it seems like it seems like you were constantly trying some different things, no matter which incarnation it was or even rock and roll circus for that matter. But it really seemed to me and again, outsider looking in like you really found your place both as a writer and a singer around 2013 ish with like Cobblestone Street, which is by far my favorite thing that you've done, you know, it. It just seems like everything finally came together, and since then, you've just created record after record after record that has followed a very similar path, at least as far as the writing has been concerned with you. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, you know, man, you just, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth, and, and, you know, there's there's a lot to that story. Instead of just saying, I 100% agree cobblestone Street, which of course, for most of the listeners is is there completely something they don't know what is, and I understand that, it was about stepping back and finding your DNA. What is it that is you? Because what had happened, not to confuse the listener, in 96 when I'm recording my first solo album and the following years with two more solo albums would follow, Recovering the Wasted Years and Mortal life and this, and then came a period of three and a half years where at my own choice, but also with much regret, I tried to recreate a new version a wide line because my solo career was not necessarily taking off
0: right.
1: and I sort of got blurred into this and it didn't actually take me a long time to realize I didn't want this, but I kept going with it and trying different things, actually even recording an album, getting into a lawsuit with Beatle Brad about the name, all the classic stuff and that. When I came out, you know, I started working some other stuff and I even had to stop that and they said, hold on a second here. You have to go back to the beginning. And Cobblestone Street is the street I grew up on. It's where I sat with the first acoustic guitar imitating Bob Dylan. My mom raced me on, on Dylan, Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Roy Orbison, you know, in the late 60s and stuff like that. That's how we... Got woken up to go to school. Me and my two brothers. We—that's the home it was. Folk music was growing really huge in Denmark, and of course the wave coming in from America and stuff like that. So that is my true background, and and you know, always just sort of just being a campfire guitar player. Right. You know, you know that I'd learned my trades in a youth club. And always had to sort of entertain the rest of my 40 friends around a campfire when we were on vegan trips with a youth club. It, it's actually when Vito and I met in 1983 and we started writing the first songs, we would sit there. He would sit with a Stratocaster, and I would sit with my acoustic guitar, and I would start doing Dylanish, and he would start doing Van Halen, and somehow in the middle we meet, which is also. I think you might be able to detect a few things like that sure. in Wide Lion that the songs were written from a different, you know, aspect that we wanted the song to work before it became the 80s production.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, you're, the biggest hit that you guys had, When the Children Cry, definitely sounds like it was recorded on, written rather, on, a, on an acoustic guitar and then filled in to have the 80s
1: sound to it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot. To, I mean, you can easily put this song in, and you know, on on a 20 greatest hits of ballads from the '80s, and then sure. it, it, everything just becomes the '80s. But when you take the when the when the children cry out, and now we are in 2020, and I wrote that song in two in 19 uh, 1985 in New York, right. sitting in my manager's house where I was living with my acoustic guitar, sitting there writing lines like. No more precedents, and all the wars will end. One united world under God. Ronald Reagan is president. The uh, the United States are at its peak of having a great time. People are flogging to concerts. Every artist is selling millions of albums. People are having a good time everywhere. I'm sure there were places in the country that maybe weren't doing well, but overall, the worst of feeling that... You're in a secure place, things are well, economy is well. Overall people are at a good point. And here I am writing a song apologizing to the children of the future for messing up the world.
0: Right. And here
1: we are today. You play that song today where the world has just been put a notice mm-hmm. that you know what, you messed around with something here. And and you know, that could all be taken you know, in and out of context, but overall, we've just been warned that we're living in a fragile world. We're fragile and we better just pay attention and respect and be good to each other. Exactly. No
0: question. Well, Mike, let's, let's move forward to the new album to uh second time around. Um, you know, the, at, at when I first read the bio for it, I was like okay he's, he's he's taking some of his tunes and he's and he's reworking them." Then, when I dug a little bit deeper, I really kind of was like, "Man, talk about a musician's musician you are you are very typical in that it seems like you." You write songs and you never feel that they're finished. There's always something else you can do with them. There's always something else that you want to do to them, even after you share them with the world. I'm assuming that that is a big part of why you chose these songs to kind of re image for a second time around. Is that fairly accurate? That is complete. That is
1: complete because as I was just sort of telling the story to the listeners about the period after my first solo album, which mm-hmm. is around you know two thousand four, we're going into two thousand five, which when is when I'm recreating Wide Line Mark II, it starts as tram's wide line a little bit bit by bit. You start trying to remove tram by just using Wide line because the venue's like that. But most of these songs on second time around Written at that time, I mean, you you know, I can go for many songs, but just let's just start at the end. The last song on the album, "When She Cries," was written in 2005, sitting in a chair in the hospital room when my wife was giving birth to my daughter, and I'm sitting there. I have white line in my head. At the same time, I'm feeling a calling that something is not working, and I have music in me. So a lot of these songs are written. In those years around 2005 to 2008, coming in and out, experimenting from times and times when I would take breaks from White Lion thing, I would be going into the studio with another bunch of musicians and feeling this calling. As on one hand, I was out there again, you know, shaking my ass and, and, you know, trying to do something that felt so uncomfortable being up on stage. And then going back into the studio playing and recording these songs and going, but this is where I'm home. Right. So, you know, a lot of this stuff is some of the original recording that I have refurbished and taken out and saying it was exactly the way it was, but now, you know, you know 10 years 12 years later on i'm just doing a little bit of editing and stuff like that but but the the, the biggest reward and uh, to myself is knowing that that songs in in my now um almost 24 year solo career right is 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 um consistent with any of the other albums uh the 12 my tram solo albums is a book in itself. It's a journey. Uh, each album represents a chapter. It's an endless highway. I pull off an exit and I sit there. I look back. I look at the moment and I'm in and I'm looking at the future. And it's basically just the character <clears throat> that keeps moving on. It's not groundbreaking. It's not innovative. It's just a continuation of who I am where I want to be and where I'm going. Sure.
0: Yeah. You know, you say it's not groundbreaking or innovative, but I might, I might argue that point with you just because what you seem to have that others, you know, they may have it, but they don't practice it is you seem to have the ability to write a song and let it marinate for a while before it fully finds itself. You know and and this 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 release is one good example of that. You know, being honest, this isn't even the first time you did that because when you did Songs I Left Behind in a in a similar way, that was that was a, another large collection of music that kind of sat for a while before you brought it back. So you you more than others seem to have a unique ability to write a song and not let it go. But at the same time, not get obsessed with it to where where you have to keep twiddling with it on the, you know, in the studio.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, once again, I truly appreciate that, you know, my career and that, you know, these albums that a lot of people don't know and and understand, for example, what you mentioned, songs are left behind, you know. I, I can't remember if it's twelve or thirteen songs that never got released but I felt was important and, and I wrote about each song, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera, So people knew where, that, that they had they, they had been there had been you know exits on, on my endless highway that I'd stopped and, and you know worked on that and then moved on and things like that. There's another thing to it and it's sometimes a little difficult to say uh, yeah. because I don't want to sound more than I am. And I also don't want to point fingers or make myself better than any, anybody. But the thing is, I am the sole artist, the only artist from the period of the 80s that have done 12 consistent solo albums that you could pick any album and it represents the artist 1,000%. Right. Um, and also that I, that I made the decision and I made the commitment just to be me all along that road. And that's that's probably where when people like yourself then get in, introduced to this songwriter, artist that I am, and and you start understanding about this journey. And, and another great reward is when I do these shows, and of course a lot of people come to my club shows and they've seen me play with Wild Lion, and now, you know, they decided that they want to follow this artist for one reason or another. And now they come up to me and they go, you know what? I like your new stuff better than white line. And I, and you know, that's, that's, you know, a give and take, but I just think that it is that they identify with where they are in their life and where I am in their, in my life. And we have traveled this journey together. You know, and, and that's where the connection is with with the audience that I play for today. And and I really cherish, and, and on one hand, I'm fortunate enough that I play for about 100 to 150 people every night sure. that I can keep this intimacy and, and, and make it real. The question is if this ever would work in front of 5,000 people or 10,000 people in that way, you know, I thought that I would turn it down. I'm just saying that, the whole package works the way that I've been touring for the last 10 years. An acoustic guitar, a, a couple boxes of CDs and vinyls, and a suitcase of, of, of t shirts. And I arrive at a venue and I go in there, and meet people on the way to the stage, meet people on the way out or from the stage when I go out to sell the t shirts. It's a package, it's mm-hmm. an overall, it's a lifestyle. It's not a show anymore, it's, it's my life. Absolutely. And, and certainly
0: it has not limited you creatively, you know, to be basically to be a hardworking musician as you've chosen to be, because I mean, if you look at your career, you've put out what, six or seven albums just in the last decade, which nobody does. That does yeah. that kind of work anymore. You know, that's, that's a tribute to you. That's a tribute to you as a, as a worker, but it's also, I'm I'm assuming a tribute to the fact that you probably never go too far without a, a pen and paper or an iPad or something to write, to write ideas down? Because it seems like you always have more songs.
1: You no, know, well, I mean, the, the thing is, is, is these days when a record deal has nothing to, to, you know, in common with what when we had a record deal, which was actually a contract and a commitment to deliver an album every so-and-so-and-so, and you would get this kind of dance. These days, you know, I put it together and then I, you know, my little record company says, okay, the new album's done and stuff like that. So the songs are naturally written. Um, I'm not meaning to contradict your contract. Actually, I, you know, I only write when I feel that it's there. The songs will knock on the door when it's coming out. It's a symbol as that, so I you know obviously when a new album is done and completed, it's very important because I write such in a similar way that I take a break okay and 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 um I was just together with my 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 wife and children, which actually happens to be living in, in the Indonesia on the other side of the world and uh I ended up going there and it was just a lot of free time. So I ended up sitting one day at a piano writing four songs, okay. which right now I'm back home in Denmark and I'm in my studio and I'm finishing these four songs and they will be part of a special package coming out about Christmas time. But let's just think to the new album. Sure, sure. So <laughs> it, 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 it was only because it happened. It's not that I was forcing. It just came naturally. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, and it, it will it will be a completely again part of this ongoing journey.
0: Absolutely.
1: Now, now, Mike.
0: Um, if looking back, and obviously, you know, you could, you probably couldn't see it at the time, but now you can kind of look back and see it. Are you in a way glad that White Lion, the entity, whether it was with the new guys or a reunion with Vito or, or, or whatever it would have been, are you in a way glad that that? didn't come all the way to fruition because it might've li- It probably would have limited your ability to do what you're doing now, which you obviously love doing.
1: Oh yeah. That, that's obviously a, is, is a difficult question uh, to say, because I'm extremely proud of, of what Vito and I completed with white lion. The, the thing that happened at that when white lion broke up and i i ended the band and basically there was silence from the band and and, and there was silence the, the day after it's such a weird story because you know i went back to california it was like september 2nd 91 we played the last show in boston i said to Vito a couple of days before the show when we played boston it was also the last show on the tour it's the end and he basically just looked at me and said Okay. And you know, we had a pretty good working relationship. We were two different people, but when it came to songwriting, we were like one person. We never had a single argument ever about songwriting. We wrote these songs together and we were completely in tune. But the strange thing about that is like the next day, or let's just say a week after, no call from the management. No call from the record company. No call from the publishing company. No call from the t-shirt company. All people that were making money from us and, and, and had paid money for us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And for almost 20 years, silence. Wow. And so when I think back and I understand that this was also 91 grunge, had stopped, alternative music that started taking on... MTV had basically already started closing the door, slamming the door right in our face. Record right. company had started losing interest, looking for the new kid in town, et cetera, et cetera. What could have happened at that time, if the right people could have convinced Vito, people we might have trusted, if they if, if they put their heart into it, would have said, listen, let's change the strategy. We have money to survive. There's a new. There's a new wave of stuff like that, you know, because Vito and I were were already on a way moving the band away from Poison, Rat, Mob, the crew, all this other stuff sure. that we had been sort of like boxed in with in the eighties, in both in a good way and also in a bad way. We were we wanted to go much more towards, for example, a band like Journey and stuff that we wanted to be much more a songwriting, a musical band, and maybe less on the image, et cetera, et cetera. And and we possibly could, as songwriters, have taken the band into another place. Obviously, we could not have made Wide Line into Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right. Sure. I did that myself, to myself, because that's where I was when I was up by myself, but that's also what I've been saying in many interviews. My tramp soul is my tramp by himself. Mm-hmm. But my tramp with Vita Brada is a different story. So, you know, that's why when you, when, you, when you pull me out from White Lion and you just leave me, then that's what I added to White Lion. That's what I added to the songwriting of Vita Brada and my tramp. The stuff you hear in my soul albums, that's what I came to. I did not come with the big guitar riffs and, and the time chains of the drums and stuff like that. I came with the melodies and, and, and the strumming guitars and, and the simplicity sometimes of there. And Vita would come in there and finalize it with some great guitar playing around the soft. And, and at the end, it would become White Lion. No question. Is it disappointing for you, you
0: you know, as a musician, that that fans have and always will. I mean it's not it's not like it's something that's ever going to probably change. But fans generally whatever they know you for first, they keep you in that box. And you know, I, I would imagine for you, you know, there, there's a there's a million guys that are out there like me that like both Metallica and John Mellencamp, but but so few of them will actually listen to both. Metallica and John Mellencamp. And and I, I think you kind of find yourself in that same box where, you know, people that discovered Wade or When the Children Cry or Love Don't Come Easy or any of those songs, they put you in that box. And they don't, even if they like the other style, they don't give it an, a fair shake to actually learn if they would appreciate it or not.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that doesn't matter to me anymore because I play for the people who want to come see me and stuff like that. And the rest are probably as blind to the rest of their day as they are <laughs> to, to making those kind of choices. Um, you know, um, it's kind of, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, I think that it probably happens. It, it's more extreme when it comes to being typecast as an actor, and you can't step out of that character. And once you've just been that character and stuff like that. Um, and there, there are also definitely artists. That cannot step out of the of, of, of who they are known for being sure. and survive or or do something good. I personally think that I'm I'm better and more real, and I think that that twelve solo albums and twenty four years have proven that. But still, if the listener prefer Lady of the Valley and and Beatles guitar show, that is fine. That is all fine, and so and so, you know. Um, you know, it, it's like, it, it, you know, there are <laughs> bigger bands that suffers more from this and stuff like that. It, you know, you, you know, you just have to put the makeup back so they could start pulling people into the separate, you know, right. stuff like that. I have, I, I come from nothing. I come from such a small background, such a little family, so low income. I grew up with nothing. Had a, such a happy childhood, even though my father was not part of it, et cetera, et cetera. I don't miss anything. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was me finding me.
0: Right there, you go. And that's a good place to wrap this up, with Mike. Um, the new record is called. <laughs> the new record is called Second Time Around. It is Mike Tramp. It is a fantastic collection. If you if you like songwriter type rock and roll music this is definitely one you want to check out so mike why don't we do this um as a tradition on the show we always let the artist pick um a closing track from the album maybe tell us a quick story about it so what would you like us to wrap the interview up with
1: i always try to make sure that the opening track on my album will represent me in case the listener only get to hear that song. So starting with, with a classic tramp written song, All of My Life, which is about All of My Life, is the perfect way to introduce the newcomers out there, the new listeners. I think that you get the point when you get to the end of the song. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks to all the people out there who support rock and roll. It is without a doubt you that makes us go
0: around. Awesome. Well, let's check it out right now. This is all of my life. It's Mike Tramp right here on your classic metal show.